Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome to this trade deadline special episode of Hoop and Holler. In this episode, we'll just be going over all the deals, all the teams that made them, the teams that didn't make them, the players that we thought might be switching cities but ended up staying put, which was really just Kyle Lowry. Um, But let's start going by teams instead of players. Julio brought this up, and I thought this was a really good idea since a lot of the trades were concentrated on a few teams. Um, It's just a good way to organize it. Let's start with the biggest chip, though from the Orlando Magic. That would be Nikola Vucevic. And I think everyone was talking about how they were shopping Fournier, shopping Aaron Gordon. The Vucevic thing kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but they they sent him to the Bulls. They got Wendell Carter and a couple first-rounders in return. I guess first question is, um, let's talk about it on the Bulls aspect of it. You know, like, how surprising was this to you to see the Bulls kind of push their chips in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was... I don't know. I I I feel I I I'm I'm at a crossroads with this trade because on the one hand, when I saw what the Bulls had to give up for Nikola Vucevic, um, I was like, two first and Wendell. That's kind of a steep price. I know he's an All Star, um, and obviously they want to show that that that's that's their thing. They want to show Zach Levine that they're in win now mode. Is that really going to make you win now? Really, really, that, that, that's 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 going to make you a contender. That's not even that that doesn't even make you the the fourth, fifth best team, maybe the fifth at most. But it, it doesn't make you a real contender. What you're going to attract another player in free agency? Oh, wait, you don't have any money. So it, it's just kind of confusing for me. And then on the magic Chicago end of things, no huh? Chicago ain't got no money. For this free agency? No, they yeah. have to... Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh. That, that's, why, that, that's why Lonzo Ball is kind of, like, out for them unless they they will and deal with, like, you know, other trades in the offseason to make room for a guy like Lonzo or whatever. And that's not, that's not even a superstar, you know? So I don't know how far Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic gets you. And I know you want to have that, you know, win-now mentality, but... There's not a lot of win and win now with, with with those two guys as much as I love Zach Levine. And then on the magic end of things, I don't know, man. It's I, I get that, you know, ha- having Vucevic on your team is kind of pointless because you're going nowhere. So I guess you want to cash in on his peak kind of value and, and get a guy, a young guy like Wendell Carter Jr. in two first, which, you know, to me is – kind of a little bit more than what Vucevic is valued at. But it's also like on the other end, like it's it's like the Magic have no direction, no sense of direction. It almost, 
Um, it, they they kind of remind me of the Detroit Pistons. Maybe not that bad, but it, I just see no direction with the, with this franchise. Um, but yeah, th- that's pretty much all I have to say. Kudos to the Bulls for trying to go all in and win now. But there's not going to be a lot of winning and win now. So, yeah. Eddie, remind me, were we talking about the Bulls or the Magic? I kind of I forgot. Let, let Let's start with the Bulls because the Magic made so many moves. And I mean, I know Julio already brought it up, but we can we can do all that at the you know after we sum up the the, the totality of the Magic's moves. Gotcha. So yeah, on the Bulls end of things. I got to give him a kudos, right? You know, maybe you're not the contender that that Julio wants you to be, right? But at least you got one step closer <laughs> and you are in Chicago, right? We know that cap space it matters and all of that, but it's such a nebulous thing in the NBA that you can create cap space when you need to. You can make moves and, and move money around to go make it. Like we saw the uh, Miami Heat do it for Jimmy Butler a couple years ago. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility for them to get another guy in. And like we mentioned a couple episodes ago, at some point or another, you're going to have to show this dude Dude, Zach Levine, hey, if we want you, we want you to stick around here and we're willing to make the steps necessary for you to do that. This is one step closer to where you need to be. I would have liked to see them be more willing to part ways with maybe a Kobe White or a Lori Markin and try to bring in another guy. But if that was outside of the realm of possibility, then, you know, it is what it is. But Vucevic definitely makes you a better team. It gives somebody, it gives lack of lean somebody to play off of. Um, and it makes your team as a whole dynamic. I think Vucevic might be one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Like, most people don't even know that the dude's putting up, like, five threes a game and making them at a high clip. The dude's a really good player, and he almost gets better with time, right? He's like a wine almost because, you know, he's – I would venture to say he's a better player today than he was, like, two years ago, three years ago. So I'm a big fan of Vucevic's game. Um, You know, maybe you're not beating Miami. Maybe you're not beating Milwaukee right now. But you have the foundation upon which you can build to compete with those teams in the future. Is three first round picks essentially not a steep asking price, though? What were the years on that? It's it's this year's and twenty twenty three, and then Wendell, I guess, counts. As exactly, that's what I'm saying. Wendell counts. I pay that. Yeah, I pay that. Because <laughs> if I'm the Bulls, I'm looking at twenty twenty three. There's, I'm I'm gonna be a good team by then. Yeah, I'm paying. There's that. more. There's more. I feel like there's better guys that you Coolio, can use I'm those assets at you for. right now. Cause you'd be the first per- young pieces, this, that, and the other. Exactly, but, but you can use those. You can you can you can use those young pieces, making moves, getting what do you always say? Because they're proven they're, commodities. Proven because commodities. there are that's a proven because commodity. there are better moves to make. I feel like. What else could they have done? I feel like you could have waited till the off season, drafted a high a high pick this this off season, and then use that asset. Another, you don't care about the draft. You know you don't care about draft picks. What, what, you would you would rather have um uh uh Jalen Springer than Nikola Vucevic? No, that's I'm saying trade the picks before the draft when guys become available. I don't know, man. I'm a fan of the move. We can agree to disagree on it, but Eddie, you be the difference. I mean, I I did say a couple episodes ago, right, that Chicago was gonna be the Phoenix Suns next year and, and all this and all that. And I mean, they, they're entering their competitive window. So the thing about this move, though, is that I don't think it was I don't think it was like the right move to make for them to enter that competitive window, I guess. And I know that the front office wasn't going to try to just do this move and um, not anything else. Like, clearly, they're trying to shop 
Lori Markkinen. It seemed like they really wanted Lonzo Ball. Um, if they got Lonzo and Vucevic in one swing and managed to still keep Kobe White, I would have been really optimistic about you know their future. But I think it sets them up now where in the offseason, um, you know, they, they got some work to do. But in terms of the price, like Julio was saying, I think the first rounders are whatever. Like this year's first rounder, since they're kind of like uh, an eight seed team ish, you know, like it might be in like the twenties the or the low tens. Um, and then the twenty twenty three pick is up in the air. The the thing about Wendell Carter is that that's a really interesting piece for me because I like him as a player, but you know, some people are more out on him than than others. Um, but all in all, like. Chicago, like, if you want to be competitive, like, Nikola Vucevic is, like, one step down from the the Bradley Beal that we all want to get traded. You know, like, the not quite a star. It's just a very good player. So it's not a bad get. It's just that you saw the vision that Chicago was trying to do more, and they just couldn't execute it, I think, within the, the, the confines of this trade deadline. But, again, I mean, I'm still not out on calling them the Chicago of next or sorry the, the phoenix, phoenix of next year so hey man, we'll yeah. see but sometimes you swing but, for the fences you don't get there maybe they're, they're just a ricky maybe whoa, maybe now ricky whoa, rubio whoa, is the savior did, did, did you just call nikola vucevic swinging for the fences i said sometimes you swing for the fences and miss so nikola oh, vucevic he's like plan plan c plus maybe been swinging for the fences yeah like sometimes you gotta you know maybe you get hit a double but gotcha double's still gotcha good. But let's move on to Aaron Gordon, another piece from the Magic that is traded away. He's moving on to Denver, and Aaron Gordon seemed to be the hottest name on the trade market, you know, leading up to this deadline. Um, before you guys go into, like, how you guys felt of the deal on both sides, maybe talk about what team you, like, ideally wanted to see Aaron Gordon land on, or, like, what fit made the mo- would have made the most sense for Aaron Gordon. You, you see, the thing about Aaron Gordon is that... <laughs> He, his skill set can fit on so many teams. But um, the thing about him that, that really, really rubs me the wrong way, it's a little bit of a Drummond, a little bit of a Michael Porter Jr. kind of like attitude where they think that they're more than they really are. So this dude, Aaron Gordon, uh, comes out last week, I believe, and says... I want to trade. I demand a trade. Bro, you you speaking like you a a superstar in this league? This team wants to trade you anyways. Get it's out of here. Man, acting like I, I I'm tired I'm tired of this losing. Bro. This team doesn't He can't be tired oh of losing. This team gave you a fat contract. You're part of the damn reason. Stop acting like you're some superstar dropping 30 a game. You're doing like everything that you can to prevent this team from losing and this dude I demand a trade you're gonna get traded anyways dog like that's that's my number one thing so going and you know that brings me to my larger point that you know him going to the nuggets um and I know we'll we'll address this soon you have to and that goes from guys like Michael Porter Jr. and especially uh, a guy like uh, Andre Drummond, which we'll go to later too. Um, you have to operate within your role. You have to operate within your role. So other teams that I would have liked to seen him on um, would have been like the Blazers or the Suns. Um, I, I feel like having having a, a, a strong leadership in, in guys like Dame and CP would not only put him, you know, 
on the right situations on the court, but will put him kind of in the right mentality, you know, just just uh, in how he thinks about the game and how he thinks about his role on the team. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, we'll, we'll get to Denver right now, which I, I have some thoughts on, but those those are my other teams that I would like to see him on. Julio, if he want to be up out of Orlando, can you really blame him? Yeah, maybe he's not an all-star caliber player. Maybe he's not. I feel like you got Bradley Beal conundrum, man. Like, everybody got to be on his standard. If you can't be, play like Bradley Beal, then you can't request a trade. Like, good on him for, like, you know, wanting to have autonomy and where he was going to move. You're right. You're probably going to get traded anyway. But by him demanding a trade, now he has a little bit more leverage in terms of saying, yeah, I'm not trying to go there. I would want to go there. Um, a little bit more control over his career, right? Uh, in terms of teams that I would have liked to have seen him on, I'll approach it from less of a uh, schematic fit and, and more of like it would have just been fun as hell to watch Aaron Gordon play on perhaps the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? That's a team that's doing a lot of, you know, they're not a good team right now for whatever reason. They have good pieces. Um, but watching him play off of Carl Anthony Towns, play off of a guy like Anthony Edwards, that would have been really fun to watch. Um, I would have liked to see him maybe on the mm, – Pelicans maybe not as good of a fit unless they were really willing to say sell it on the run and gun, which clearly they're not because they were trying to trade Lonzo Ball. Um, I thought you were going to say Charlotte. Charlotte would have been fun. I wasn't going to say Charlotte, but Charlotte would have been very fun. There was another team that I was going to say, but it's eluding me now. Maybe I'll remember it, but Charlotte would be fun as hell. I would have loved to see him in Charlotte. But, yeah, we can get into Denver. Um, I I think that, that, I mean, I'll let you go ahead and pose your question, Eddie. I won't step on your toes. Well, I mean, no, we can get to Denver, but I guess I'll just give my piece first. I really, really wanted to see him on Portland because I know you guys know and, and, you know, people tune into the podcast know how much I want to believe in Portland this year, how much I feel like the roster construction looks really good. And I think Aaron Gordon would have been the type of piece that Damian Lillard has never played with in his career, but would have been just absolutely perfect, you know, playing off of him. You know, having a guy who can do the kind of pseudo Draymond thing, operate in the short role, you know, be a threat um, with, you know, with a live dribble to finish. He's a good playmaker. He's a versatile defender. He can, you know, he can guard bigger dudes, guard wings. Um, he would have been honestly the perfect fit in Portland to me. But yeah, let's talk about Denver because for some I, reason, yeah. the teams that wanted him, I felt like they didn't need Aaron Gordon. And I kind of feel this way about Denver. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I, I have I have kind of opposing feelings towards you. So I, I said at the beginning of the season that I felt like Denver vastly kind of depreciated as a team just from the loss of uh, I never know how to say his first name. Jeremy. 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 It's a okay, regular. Jer- it just looks funny. <laughs> it's Jeremy. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna just call him. Grant, okay, so Jeremy, from the you know Jeremy, Jeremy so you have to Jeremy, know people named Jeremy. Jeremy. From the loss of Jeremy Grant, um, yeah, I, I I just feel like they lost some defense, they lost some scoring ability at the wing, and they overall they just lost uh, athleticism. And so putting Aaron Gordon at you know he can play five, but I, I feel like his most natural position is maybe four. Um, they gain a lot of athleticism with him. Uh, Paul Millsap, not athletic. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jamichael Green, not athletic. Obviously, Jokic. Jamichael Green, who not athletic? He's not overly overly athletic. He's not Aaron Gordon. That's athletic, what I'm saying. Bro. So the, he cha- he changes right. like and, and Jokic. He doesn't need to be athletic, but 
I mean, he, you know, he's definitely not athletic. That, that's something that Jeremy, like, really, really brought to the team. And he showed that his role uh, just really, really changed life for Denver. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. is just, I, I don't know. He, he had a hot streak, you know, recently. I, I just don't believe in that dude. But, you know, we can agree to disagree. But uh, my overall point with Denver is that they're not going to be automatic or, you know, contenders or big time contenders just because of this deal. They're going to be contenders. You know, their, you know, real, real shot is going to come from the performance of Jamal Murray. So Aaron Gordon or no Aaron Gordon, obviously he improves the team a little bit and, and makes it more dynamic maybe. But their, you know, strong playoff push is going to be determined on whether Jamal Murray performs like he did in the bubble or whether he performs like he has been, you know, this season or at least in the early parts of the season. Um, but overall, it, to me, it does improve their team. And also with the addition of I know Eddie, you know, likes to crap. On, I like to crap on him, too, but I really do see his value. Um, and, and that's JaVale McGee. I, I, I wanted JaVale McGee back on the Lakers. I feel like he adds another, you know, uh, something that they kind of lost in Mason Plumley. Obviously, I wouldn't have paid Mason Plumley the money that he got from Detroit because Detroit is just Detroit. So, you know, they, they, they're very desperate. But Mason Plumley was a guy that uh, uh, was a lob threat. He could block shots, um, and that, that's something that JaVale could do. So he has some depth, depth to them there. So overall, they got better, but their their contention is going to be based on Jamal Murray. I agree with you, but I, I think the number one thing, and I, I know you brought up in the group chat earlier, Eddie, like if they have Aaron Gordon playing the Jeremy Grant role, it's not going to work. Um, I don't think it's going to be um, that sort of exchange to where they come in and they try to put him into that same hole that Jeremy Grant left. It probably looks a little bit different. And the number one element that I think Aaron Gordon brings to this team that they didn't have before, I would be interested. And I haven't watched like a ton of Denver Nuggets basketball this year, but in the snippets that I have seen, I'd be interested in looking at a statistic that shows like the most like teams with the most alley-oops or lobs across the league. I would be willing to bet that they're probably in the bottom 10, possibly the bottom five, because that team has zero verticality whatsoever. Like, you don't have players that get up and catch those things like that. So what Aaron Gordon provides is another way for, essentially, Nikola Jokic to kill you, because that's really how you lose to the Denver Nuggets, and Nikola Jokic kills you by scoring, or he kills you by moving the ball around, and that's another way for him to move the ball. Now he's not just bounce passing, now it's not kicking to the corner. You also have to worry about Aaron Gordon jumping over your head and slamming dunks down now. So I think he just adds a level of vertical gravity that this team didn't have before. Obviously, he can hit the three-point shot. Obviously, he's athletic enough to move um, on the perimeter with some of the uh, wings that they're going to have to defend. But the most important thing that he brings to that team at this point in time is just another way for Nikola Jokic to kill you by moving the ball and with his playmaking. The thing about Aaron Gordon is that I think that we've never seen him play like this in his career where we, we, we can see him play to his strengths. Because in Orlando, they just surrounded him with a bunch of non-shooters and a bunch of guys who can't handle the ball or, you know, playmake. And that I think his strength is as a secondary playmaker because he's a good playmaker. He can pass the ball and as sort of like a, a space eater, you know, like someone who can maybe screen and roll. Um, but in Orlando, they asked him to do a lot of like 
creation, and, and that's not his game. Um, the thing about Denver is that Nikola Jokic, like I know he's our number one creator, but he operates basically as a secondary creator. You know, like you dump the ball to Jokic in the post or at the elbow, and you know you just have people cutting, and and he basically can find anyone and look anyone open. Um, you know, like putting Aaron Gordon in that system, I don't really think maximizes him. And for Denver to give up a first round pick and then RJ Hampton, who I think is still a really good asset. I mean, he, he can be a really good player, um, regardless of whether he's good or not. You know, that's one of Denver's like last remaining assets. And to use that on Aaron Gordon, you know, like I, I don't know if I love it, you know, so it intrigues me. And m- maybe they, they can unlock something that I'm not seeing. Like I can definitely see some like big to big passing. You know, definitely if Aaron Gordon can be used as a cutter, we've never really seen it in his career, but he can definitely profile as a good cutter. You know, that, that'll be interesting. But And then on the defensive end, you know, Jeremy Grant was a really good one-on-one defender against big wings. Um, I think Aaron Gordon can do the same thing, but, you know, like he's also a good switchable defender. So th- there's some similarities to Jeremy Grant on the defensive end, but, you know, I don't know if he's quite as good on that end. So again, like it still kind of confounds me, like, I like I'm not exactly sure what Denver is trying to like drastically improve on. Maybe this is their just way of saying I'm trying to make any marginal improvements possible and that Aaron Gordon was a marginal improvement. But yeah, all in all it's like it, it's a little confusing to me because I feel like some teams could have really maximized Aaron Gordon and for whatever reason those teams weren't as interested in Aaron Gordon as a Boston or Denver. Hmm. I do think it's important to note with like the increased the clip that he's hitting his three-point shot at there is a lot of potential for him to uh be a really good cutter right the fact that you have to respect his three alone makes you have to play him more on the perimeter you can't suck into the interior which helps Nikola or uh which helps Jokic right because you know he doesn't he has more space to operate but more like if you get distracted on Jamal Murray Nikola Jokic pick and roll that dude's blowing by you and catching lobs. So there's going to be, I think there's a lot of potential. Perhaps he's not as maximized as he would have been on, say, a Portland um, or, or Minnesota. But there's, def- there's there's some room for him to be a shaker. The important thing is, and I don't, I can't speak to Julio clearly, you think that he has some sort of like star um, uh, mentality about him, right? If he's willing to be humble and, and really play a more confined role than he was playing in, in Orlando and do the things that he does best, which is shoot the ball, um cut which i think you know we don't know he can do that the best but i think there's a lot of potential there and jump and defend right if you do those four things the sky's the limit for not the sky's the limit but you can have a real strong impact on that team for sure yeah i will also say on the denver side of it i know they traded away gary harris because he's always hurt but you know like if he was healthy i think he would have been a difference maker for them in the playoffs you know just kind of like how I don't think Denver wins any of the playoff series last year if Gary Harris doesn't play in those games, you know. But I know he's often hurt and he's forgot how to shoot. But, you know, you talk about a player who is extremely good defender and and is such a smart guy and and everyone in the locker room there apparently loves him. But, you know, it kind of sucks to see Gary Harris's career kind of go down because of injuries. But um, to retort back to your point that they gave up, you know, R.J. Hampton, they still have the biggest asset that, teams love right i don't love but you know that's michael porter jr so i feel like you could still flip that plus you know other assets that they have whether their picks will barden whatever um into something you know later this offseason uh even to to improve their team further definitely well let's move on to another florida team miami 
who acquired Victor Oladipo for basically peanuts. Um, I think like we, we could talk about the Houston side of it, but I, I think it's pretty unanimous, right? I feel like 100% of basketball people have been dunking on Houston for botching their hardened trade, big trade idea, basically. But, you know, I, I don't know if there's much point in that. So let, let's just talk about the Miami side of things in that, you know, like, how do you see Oladipo fitting on the team? You know, like, what, what sort of role does he fill? Like, what, what sort of, you know, like, what does he bring to Miami that puts them over the top question mark or maybe like doesn't i want to say one thing that you know a lot of people are going to overlook here and you know obviously there's questions that remain about whether victor oladipo can be the all-star that he was a few years ago but one thing that had that victor oladipo still has and is going to continue to have so long as he puts in the effort is what he can bring on that defensive side of the floor man you just got arguably an elite perimeter defender in Victor Oladipo when he wants to be. And you couple that with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and you have some other really sound defenders, Andre Iguodala, uh, Trevor Ariza. Like, you can really make a team in hell, right, it, on, on defensively when you want to. And then, obviously, offensively, it gives you another element of, of a scorer. Um, and Victor Oladipo had been playing pretty well as of late. I know Houston had been losing and losing and losing, but Victor Oladipo was dropping his 20, 25 a game. So I think that there's still something to be I mean, y'all know, I, I'm a Victor Oladipo fan. I still think he has some juice left. Um, and the fact that he doesn't have to carry singularly the, 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 the torch for the offensive load, um, there's going to be ways that they create for him and make it a little bit easier on him. I could easily see him averaging 18 plus a game in that Miami system. So I'm completely torn on this because, I, man, I as you guys know, this is like my second favorite team in the NBA. I really, really want this to go so well, but yeah, I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination of Victor Oladipo. And um, before his injury, and even after his injury, when there was still hope, when we hadn't seen him play yet, when there was still hope that, you know, he would come back as maybe 90, 95% as the same Victor Oladipo. I was so excited about the prospects of him or, you know, um, or, you know, another scoring type wing guard, whatever you want to call these players. Um, to join, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam on, on the Heat because that's exactly what they need. They need another scoring punch. Um, we've we've talked about this. Eddie has drilled this into the ground, um, and, and rightfully so. J- Jimmy, you know, we all know Jimmy's that dude. You can go to him late in games, but there are times when it's not that he refuses to shoot because he's afraid, but it's just how he plays the game, man. He's so unselfish that it's almost like your team needs to look at a player at their best player and they expect him to, to take over a game or to take them home. And sometimes Jimmy Butler just doesn't do that. Right. So um, adding that other scoring element that Oladipo can potentially bring is great, but man, I just have, I don't want to say I have no confidence in him, but I can understand why his trade value sucked. It tanked. I mean, bro, again, this is, this is about self-evaluation and self-reflection. This dude turned down a contract extension that, that would have given him, I, I think, 25 mil a year. Like, bro, you cannot, like, let's be real here. Let's be, you are not the same player that you once were. Like, 
His, I just feel like he's lost a little bit of athleticism, so he's not the same at the rim. And his field goal percentage, he does take tough shots sometimes, um, has, has dipped. So I, I really don't know. I really hope this goes well for Miami, but I would be lying if, if I was saying that I'm very confident or I love this move. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for Oladipo, particularly offensively, um, you want to talk about self-awareness. I think, at least on the court, we can talk about, um, you know, how much money he wants off the court or whatever. Um, but if he just took less threes, honestly, he's, he's shooting like, what, seven, eight a game in, I want to say like a 33%. So, something It's like not, it's he's not shooting a clip that warrants the rate that he's shooting him at. Um, but his like two-point percentage, like if I remember correctly, is pretty decent. So if they if he just you know stuck to his guns and maybe didn't shoot as much as he as he had been in Houston, um, you would see at least a better efficiency um, in uh, in Miami. But I think the important thing is I want to ask you this, Julio, because you brought up you know all of the money and why his value was so low. That aside, right? What he's asking for in his next contract aside, his play on the court. I'm not sure it can be disputed that he he brings. Not just a plus, but I would say a plus and a half value to that team. I mean, yeah, he he adds like a scoring punch. It and f- like from from Miami side, I feel like not that you had to do this, but you know the guy you were going after was Giannis, right? Obviously, and him signing the supermax deal kind of you know it, it disrupts Miami's plan A or or big plans for this offseason uh, of going after Giannis and. and I feel like Pat Riley just looked at this team and said, you know, we can't compete this year with how the East is. So why not just take a chance um, on a guy that, you know, we were very, very interested uh, last year or a year and a half ago um, and just take a chance on him be, and potentially improve our team. I, I think the, the, the good thing for Miami is that they didn't give up crap. You know, if they would have made this trade a year ago, a year and a half ago, you would have had to give up some serious assets. You know, last year they could have easily gave up, you know, Tyler Hero or Duncan Rob, you know, potentially. Um, the fact that you gave up a guy who Kelly Olinick, I just don't like at all anymore. I never really liked him. But um, and Avery Bradley, who wasn't getting a lot of minutes. I mean, that that's. That's a bag of chips. So, I mean, I guess from Miami side, why not take that chance? Even if you get Floor Oladipo, it's still going to improve your team. But I just wonder to what end. The thing is, um, it's hard to bet against Miami and whatever uh, Pat Riley does, right? Like, I I don't really know what kind of player um, Oladipo is at this point. Like, he kind of plays like a star, but he lost a star appeal ever since that injury. Um, but you know, like Eric Spolstra and, and that Miami program, like they know what they're doing, you know? So if they get a player like Oladipo, I'm sure they have a plan for him. Even though this was like a last minute deal, they probably like weren't super committed to him and, and trading for him, but I'm sure they have a plan for him. Um, the only thing with that and, you know, the other acquisitions Miami got, uh, we can talk about like Bielitsa, um, Trevor Ariza, they're probably going to pick up LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, like people are talking about Miami, like, oh, like they might run it back. They have a similar roster that they did last year when they made the finals, you know, and a lot of that has to deal with 
how good their internal pieces are. You know, is Tyler Hero the player from the bubble or, or is he the kind of uh, inconsistent player he is now? Um, but just on the Oladipo front alone, like, it, it it's a little hard for me to picture, like, where that fit is. But again, like Julio said, if you don't have to give up anything for him, basically, like, you might as well, right? And if he looks good, all of a sudden you can re-sign him, no problem. And, I, yeah. and if he doesn't, like, you, you can lose him, no no harm, no foul. That's that's my thing. They kept their flexibility still. So they put themselves in a position where they could, like my point was, where they could use that money that they were going to give to Giannis to potentially a guy like Oladipo or maybe another person, like, in an unknown world, I'm not trying to throw any names out there, but I'm just saying, like, you know, Kawhi Leonard's obviously a free agent. You know, throw throw money at a guy like that, um, which I think would be a great fit. They still kept their flexibility. Depot's on an expiring contract. Bielitsa, expiring contract. Ariza, you know, all these do, expiring contract. So they're not beholden to any of these guys, which I think can improve your team now, potentially make a run. But you're still keeping yourself, you know, open and very, very flexible. So I, I think th- these were very, very smart moves. Here, here's one thing I don't quite understand about the Miami Heat, and maybe y'all can clear things up for me. Um, but even prior to making this deal, even more so now, but prior to it, they have always like maintained, you know, whether it was Kendrick Nunn or Goran Dragic starting at that point guard position. I never understood why with Jimmy Butler and the strides that he's made as a playmaker, why not run him at the one and make him the primary ball handler offense, especially now that you have Victor Oladipo and he slides right in at that two spot. I like to me, it doesn't make any sense as to why they wouldn't at least experiment around with, with, with that sort of dynamic. Goron's nice though. I mean, he, he might not be playing well right this now. season, but huh? Like, he don't even start for him right now. That's the thing. They're starting Kendrick Nunn. But that, uh, what I'm saying is that, I mean, that's going to be flipped in the playoffs. Is it? I mean, that, that that's just kind of how they've played, though, ever since last year. You know, it's like they want – because Jimmy Butler's not really like a – like, he's a pick-and-roll creator, but he's not like – like, no one's going over screens when you run him in pick-and-roll, you know? So I feel like they want someone on the floor who can do that with him. Someone like Goron, who's probably the best on their team at it. But then, you know, I guess Kendrick Nunn and Hero, to a degree, are, are also doing that sometimes. I guess. I don't know. To me, now that you have a guy like Victor Oladipo in house, it might be worth revisiting that. Especially, I don't think he's as bad from three as he was last year, this year, right? I, I don't know what his clips numbers are looking like, but I can't imagine it got as, it's as ugly as it got last year. Because last year, yeah. he was like sub-30. Yeah, point is with Miami is that, again, this gives you a potential of not maybe not vastly improving your team, but improving your team to a degree where you can, you know, maybe uh, uh, threaten the, the top three teams in the East. Um, and the thing I always, always preach about, I said this in my YouTube videos, you know, last year when I was predicting the playoffs and crap, that you have to be diverse on the offensive end in the in the playoffs the t- what teams do is that they take away your first and second you know best options or preferences you have to have 3 4 you know plan c d e and you know with these with these guys that they got you can throw out a Bielitsa, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero three you know shooters that can just go berserk 
plus Bam and Jimmy. Or you can throw in Depot and Gorin in, in, in there. Or you can throw in maybe a potential Ariza or, or, you know, just different guys to mix it up, play different styles. So that that's always going to be a strength of, of the Miami Heat. Yeah, a, another way to, to hurt you. Especially even the thing that I mentioned at, like, the top of this segment, which is, like, defensively, ooh, boy, if they get Oladipo to buy in on that end of the floor, you can really wreak havoc for another team. I should mention, though, I just looked it up. I capped. It actually did get worse for Jimmy Butler from three this year. That man is shooting 21%, bro. That don't even make sense. It that goes up. It'll, it'll, it goes up. People act like this is the same. This is the same conversation. I feel like uh, uh, Eddie retorted to me last year. Like Jimmy doesn't shoot. I'm like, bro, it, it don't matter right now. It'll, it'll, it'll fix itself. Shooting one point seven a game too. That's that's a travesty. It'll he, fix itself. You gotta shoot more. But um, so for sake of time, just because there's never enough time to go over every single trade that happens, but I'll just throw out three deals out there. You tell me which one just intrigued you the most. So there's Norman Powell to the Blazers, J.J. Redick to the Mavs, and Rondo to the Clippers. So just pick one. Like, which one do you think just maybe not makes their team better, but just intrigues you the most? Definitely Norman Powell. Uh, And for me, it was, I don't know, it was just a little bit confusing for me. Um, So Norman Powell got traded for uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. The best player out of the three, easily, like I said in the group chat, and I think you guys agree with me, um, is easily Norman Powell. Um, and that's just not – that's not even just based on his recent play. Um, obviously, he's been very, very high. I think he's averaging like 20 points per game this season. Um, obviously, the Raptors haven't been great, amazing, but, you know, he, he is having his best season – but the separation between him and the second best player of that group, which to me is Gary Trent Jr., is not large enough for for me to favor Norman Powell over Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. The thing about Norman Powell is that he gets hurt a lot. And um, that's something that, that's it's not only one or two or three injuries. He gets hurt like pretty frequently. So it it's... The, the the gap between you know him and Gary Trent on the court alone already gets filled up by Norman's Norman Powell's uh, uh you know frequency of injuries so by that about, alone like, uh-huh go ahead how about just for like this playoff run cuz like if he stays healthy you know and and he might not even be on the team after this season. I mean he he he's the best player but then you got to you, you you say to yourself what do you value more a guy who can Maybe not equal what Norman Powell is and Gary Trent, but he can get pretty close. Plus a guy like Rodney Hood. That gives you depth. I almost value those two guys more um, over Norman Powell. So what what I think ultimately happened here is that the Trailblazers looked at their roster and they said, we're stocked up on these wings. We got... Derek Jones Jr., who Eddie might say is a center, but I'll still classify him as a wing. We got Robert Covington. Come playoff time, Carmelo Anthony is going to show us a little bit more of his value than you'll see in the regular season. We don't need a guy like Rodney Hood, as talented as he is. He's not necessarily filling any holes that we have. Who's the only? Who's the only other guy that changed life for the Blazers in the playoffs? That what? That changed life for the Blazers. That gave him like a spark. 
Gary Ron Trent. That's the only ago. dude. Oh, that's the only dude. He said bring- Gary Trent. The- yeah, the the but thing the about thing is, like what what you're gonna ask, and and he did, admittedly, he did, but that was off of shooting displays, right? And those things ebb and flow, as we've seen, you know, with Davis Bertans and other shooters across the league. And I think what they're looking at in their team right now is that we are good on these wings. What we don't have is valuable and reliable depth at the guard position behind Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Right. If Anthony Simons was going to continue to be your next best ball handler, you had problems. And what you got is a 20 point scorer in Norman Powell. And you still are strong at that wing position. Ultimately, I think this is more about figuring out where their holes were and figuring out where their strengths were and kind of balancing those things out and saying we don't need to be this strong at the wing area when we're lacking at the guard depth. So let's go ahead and get the guard depth and we can let go of a guy like Gary Trent. In Rodney Hood, I'm not so, exactly mad at the deal. I do think you lost. I agree with you to the on the end that you lost in terms of net value, but in terms of what your team needed, I, I think you got what you needed. So, it just so I think it just felt like to me that Portland wanted to build around Gary Trent. Like I don't know why I got this vibe that they felt like they found a a gem in Gary Trent, yeah. and he wanted him to be part of the future. And but to be honest, like I didn't think that Norman Powell was shooting. 40 percentage points better than Gary Trent this season from three. Like, I thought Gary Trent was just lining it up from deep. And then I checked the numbers, and I'm like, well, okay. Well, well, yeah, of course this makes sense because you not only get the similar, like, versatility in shooting with Norman Powell, but you also get a guy who defends with a little bit more toughness and who can put oh, the ball on the floor. Whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, like, whoa, whoa. You, you're going to tell me know. that. Like, he, he can put the ball on the floor and do all that stuff. You're going to tell me that they, they – uh they're they're okay. Their shooting ability is practically like the same, like the same thing. He he shoots a little bit better, but I, I to me it's it's that I I really value this as you guys can tell. Like with Jimmy guys like Jimmy Butler and uh, Dennis Shooters really impressed me this year on, on on my Lakers. It's that attitude you bring that you're not afraid of going up against nobody. I don't give a damn who you are. I don't care if your name is LeBron James or, you know, some no-name NBA player. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to go hard at you, and I'm going to have no mercy. And I feel like um, Gary Trent brings that attitude, and he that attitude to me aligns with kind of like the same thing as I'm not afraid at the moment. And that's what he showed me last year. Yeah, um, I, I 100% and, agree with you. I 100% inter- agree. And, and, but Gary Trent's defense is pretty damn great, Eddie. So it, it's not like this dude's like Carmelo Anthony out here. So, no, I mean. I agree with you on the end of, of Gary Trent does have a bit of that X factor to him. But two guys that I also see as, as having that X factor are Robert Covington and Derrick Jones Jr. And there's only so minutes to go around come playoff time, right? And the minutes that you have to fill aren't necessarily at the wing position. It's more so at the guard position. What are you doing when C.J. McCollum sits, when Damian Lillard sits? I'm not ready to rely on Anthony Simons like I'm ready to rely on Norman Powell. I think that's where the important thing is. And like Eddie mentioned, that's a dude who not only brings a lot of the same things that Gary Trent does, but he can also put the ball on the floor and run an offense. I think there's a lot of value in that. So what what happens when... Derek, amazing Derek Jones Jr. and amazing go. Robert Covington <laughs> Here we go. go to the bench. Melo gets a tap. Still, it's not like your 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 wing depth is terrible. You still have Melo. Like, yeah. yeah, 
I mean, they're already playing mellow minutes, whether I He's liked not it or whether help anybody liked it or not. Okay, the, but you the, know, like I know, mellow of, come playoff time is going to uptick in value. I mean, no, I don't know the, about all I that. Mean, but last year, like he he scored he scored like twelve straight points. But you know what happened? LeBron scored like eleven straight points. <laughs> it may it, that, I mean, that sounds like it, a net it, one to me. It sounds like mellow <laughs> one. It sounds oh it's eleven to one. It sounds oh like I don't know. Maybe maybe my subtractions off. I don't know, man. But I, I I will I will give up that Norman Powell is obviously the best player here, and sometimes you just got to go with the best player. The thing I do love about Norman Powell is how he attacks the basket. I, I love players who have no like fear of just going at dudes, and he has that that almost that Russell Westbrook twitch that like that special twitch that players have that they're so quick and they can get off the ground so fast and just, you know, in a millisecond, just dunk it on your head. So he, he brings that factor to, to Portland as well. I think the thing is that like Norman Powell just gives you another person who puts the ball on the floor and who, who can do stuff with the ball on the floor. And, you know, you already have Dame and CJ who can do that. But if you have Dame and CJ and Norman Powell, and all three of them can theoretically, you know, be good catching shooters too. So it's not like you're taking away from anybody else. I don't, like, you can't have a surplus of people who can put the ball on the floor and get a bucket, you know, especially come playoff time. So, again, it's like, I didn't Wasn't you telling telling me that at the beginning of the season that Rodney Hood was that dude? But he hasn't been, and Norman Powell has been that dude. So guess what? They just redirected. He's been forced to move a lot of goalposts this year. <laughs> it's, 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 to his Portland Trailblazers takes, they, a lot of goalposts have had to be moved. But admittedly, I do think this gets you at least a step closer to, to the outcome that you were predicting at the top of the season. Maybe not all the way there. I think the Nuggets are a bigger force. The goalpost that has not been moved is that I still think that they're one of the top teams in the West, and they'll give anyone at the top a run for their money. That's not what you said at the beginning. Of the I said I said they were the third best team in the West. I thought it was second. No, I had the Clippers above them, which honestly I should have just went pushed all my chips in because the Clippers aren't even that good. But I thought you said that they were going to be Western Conference, like they'd be in the Western Conference Finals. I said that they could be. <laughs> Any team we could have be. To go dog. Back and listen. <laughs> I don't know. We might That's you trying to protect yourself. Talking about the Clippers, <laughs> let's just let's just real quickly talk about this Rondo stuff because Rondo has been terrible this year. But we said the same thing about him last year, and and he did his whole playoff Rondo thing. But the Clippers gave up two picks and or two second rounders and Lou Williams for Rondo when. Honestly, they could have probably like asked Atlanta for Rondo for free, and Atlanta would have been perfectly fine with that. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, does this make like I feel like Rondo doesn't do anything for the Clippers, you know? But Whoa. maybe I'm wrong. I mean, theoretically, yeah. here's what Rondo brings: is he he brings Yo. that. And you're talking to two Lakers fans here, so believe you me, we have a little bit more faith in Rondo than most. But theoretically, Rondo gives the Clippers what they've been lacking which is stability at the guard position come playoff time, right? Somebody who can get them into their set, somebody who knows how to move the ball around, somebody who's unselfish, right? Somebody who knows how to, you know, not just go one-on-one, right? And that's in theory. In practice, who knows if it plays out like that? But from my vantage point last season, if that's the dude that they're getting, I'm a little bit more wary if I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a little bit more wary because you, we all know that that dude 
clicks it onto a different gear come playoff time. We all know that he clicks it onto a different gear when he feels like he's in a position where he is able to compete versus when he's in a position where he's not able to compete. The Hawks have not been good this year, and we we've seen Ron. We saw uh, when he was on the Mavericks. Um, what was another place where they weren't that good? Um, I'm forgetting, but you know, we we basically know there's a difference between Rondo when he's in a competitive situation and a situation where he doesn't feel like he can win. And when he feels like he can win, that dude is a dog, and he's gonna bring it on both ends of the floor. So it remains to be seen. But if I had to bet on it, I would say we were gonna see a better version of Rondo come playoff time than we've seen when he was in Atlanta. We we keep on so, giving Rondo value uh-huh. from one playoff run four years ago, and you know the playoff run last year, or maybe it was three years ago. But and and I mean maybe this whole playoff Rondo thing is true. But also, it's like the Clippers, I don't trust the Clippers, like, cohesion and culture for Rondo to really buy into it, you know? like, And, and I don't really see a place where Rondo feels like he can really fit in. Not like when he was throwing lobs up to AD and, you yeah. know, like, kind of, you know, like, basically telling the big men, like, where to go so he can set them up and everything. I don't really see it with this Clippers team. And... Uh, I- and and given like Rondo's personality and what we know of him, it can really backfire if him and PG and Kawhi are all being super apathetic and like you know not really with their head in the game. Okay, number one, I I I just totally disagree with everything you just said. <laughs> so Rondo is like the the furthest thing from apathetic. Bro's gonna get in your damn face. Number two, um, I see. I thought. And I was very, very wrong about this. I thought Luke Kennard could have been that guy where, um, you know, he, he could essentially be your point guard off the bench. And in late game situations, he can take those ball, you know, ball handling duties. And obviously he has this year, he has shown that he's not going to be that. So was the asking price a little bit steeper than it should have been or it needed to be? Yes, I will give that up. Um but what Rondo brings to their team is something that they don't have at all. Kawhi is not, you know, telling dudes where to go, how to set up, where dudes need to be. PG's not doing that. Patrick Beverly is the last person that's doing that. Probably Patrick Patterson has, has a better kind of PG mind than, than Pat Bev. But, and I feel like at this, you know, trading, <laughs> tra- trading Lou Will away, you can elevate Lou Kennard to the th- – to the guy that maybe he wants to be more as maybe he just doesn't want to be, you know, handle the point guard duties when uh, 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 Reggie Jackson comes off the floor. Maybe he wants to be a guy who just catch catches and shoots some threes and, you know, handles some pick and rolls and, and scores off the dribble a little bit. Um, so what Ronda will bring is a starting point guard position in the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't start now, but it will be so in, in the playoffs. And he just brings to like Reagan says stability to the point guard position where uh, I just think they didn't have. No, no. I mean, th- this is about a mind state. This is about a mind but state that they didn't I, have. I, I should mention that a lot of the points that Eddie brought up, I think, are valid in that what you have are a lot of volatile personalities. Like, like if no one's going to listen to Rondo when he's like, yo, go here, like then everything's just going to. That, that's Patrick Beverly's fault. Like, Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. <laughs> like you. Oh, oh, you really think that PG's not gonna listen to Rondo? You damn 
bet he's gonna listen to Rondo. If I not, love you're gonna shoot just off the that you, you said no one's gonna listen to Rondo. Julio's mind was like, of course Patrick Beverly's not gonna listen to Rondo. Like he just If Patrick Beverly doesn't listen to Rondo, I Dude, I will cut you. We're not just talking about Patrick Beverly, you. we're talking about the entire Clippers roster. Because when push comes Kawhi to Kawhi's shove, gonna listen to Rondo? Kawhi's gonna what? listen to Rondo? Kawhi is, PG is, that's all you need. Kawhi listens to nobody but his uncle. (laughs) Trez is out of there, and if and if Patrick Beverly doesn't get his crap right, you you, your ass not gonna play, or uh, you haven't been playing anyways because you're always hurt. But you're for sure not gonna play if if you're not gonna listen to a freaking two time NBA champ. But okay, here's my get get out of here. Is that Rondo? Like whether we like it or not, like he's been kind of overrated for like the good part of the last like five years. In the regular season, I'm talking about the playoffs, dog. I get it, but he's only had like two playoff runs, and one of them only went to the to the second round. You know, in the last five years. And is that, listen, I mean, Jerry West is, you know, obviously still in the Clippers front office. He seems like the type of dude, I would assume, who loves Rondo. And he believes that Rondo has that sort of intangible quality that will elevate the team come playoff time. I just don't think it works that simply. You know, I think it worked with the Lakers because you had Anthony Davis and you had big men and you had people that really liked playing with each other. Rondo included. I think it worked that one year in New Orleans because, again, he had Anthony Davis and that was, you know, like everyone bought in at that time. I, I, I don't think that I don't think you're creating that with the Clippers, you know, and, and if anything else, it's like when Rondo's on the floor, like he will be like taking the ball away from players like Kawhi when, you know, Kawhi wants the ball in his hands. That that that's I think the key here, right? And I, I like I, I don't disagree with you in the sense like again, theoretically, Rondo helps a lot, Julio, right? Because it gives them the stability that they need at the guard position. But And just intellectually. A, it, there's a high and intellectually, but in practice, I feel like there's a high chance, right, when we say, um, look at a guy like Rondo who thrives with the ball in his hands. And with guys who move off of the ball, right, a guy like Kawhi Leonard needs the ball in his hands, and he's not exactly the greatest, like, off-ball player. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Did, did, so did, when, they inherently kind of take away from one of each other, and something's got to give there. When Rondo was most successful, was he not on the court with Mr. LeBron James, who also yeah, needs the ball in his the hand? Thing and was he, the, it, that was an and he doesn't play well off the ball. In, but he wasn't on the ball the entire time, but that was an offense that thrived on the movement of the ball, right? Maybe Rondo wasn't always the initiator, but how many times did we see a pass from LeBron to Rondo that ended up in assist or Rondo to LeBron that ended up That's, in assist? These were a lot the, of guys that are moving off the ball and making stuff happen. Can we expect that from the Clippers? That's that's exactly what I think. He's the only guy that on that team that will br- that can bring that factor that can if get others involved to buy in. That's the key here, and that's that was that's always been the key with the the Clippers. If we're being honest, the talent's always been there, but dudes have got to buy in to what you know everyone can offer to the table. That's the key here. If y'all don't listen to Rondo to if he goes tell you to go go in the corner, your ass better run in the corner. If he goes to tell you go, go to run Doc. into the locker room, go r- run in the locker room, your ass better be run into the locker room. Like they wouldn't like, listen to Doc, man. I don't know. Like they they don't I don't they That's not the same. That's not the same. That's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> it is really not. I feel the like same. Rondo is probably more annoying. Than Doc Rivers, if we're being honest. I mean, we'll we'll see, but I, I know like we can't do this whole episode without talking about the whole Kyle Lowry stuff, and I'm not even gonna like pose a specific angle about it, but just 
you know, Toronto hanging on to him? Like, should he have, should, should they have, uh, or should the Lakers have pursued him stronger? Should Philly have? Should Miami have? I, I mean, I don't know. I'll just keep it open-ended for you guys. Toronto's My so God. petty for that. They're so I, I petty mean, for that. Screw them. They're not, they're screw not, them. I don't, why, why are you saying they're petty? Like, I don't, I don't Because in Kyle Lowry, which you have, yeah, it's not. It's not like Kyle Lowry is begging them to leave. He's not begging them to leave, right? But he was. I mean, we saw him. He walked off the court. He was high fiving people. He had Drake on Facetime. That dude was ready to dip for all intents and purposes. In his mind, that was his last time in a Raptors jersey, right? It's not like he was hammering the door to get out, but he was ready to be up out of there. It was clearly a dialogue that was like, "Yeah, there's a decent chance that you get traded tomorrow." And what you know, we know that Masai Ujiri understands the fact that he's not having Kyle Lowry back on his team after this season. And we understand the fact that, you know, when you have, I mean, yeah, they traded away Norman Powell, but you don't exactly need a guy like Kyle Lowry. And you're about to lose a guy like Kyle Lowry who has some value to other teams around the league. So if you can recuperate as much of that value as you can while you still have them, you go do that unless you got to a point where it was like, oh, I don't like this offer. I'm just going to back out. Even though you know in your heart of hearts, like he's gone and you're about to lose him for nothing. So to me, it's a little bit petty, but, you know, it pays dividends on the end. And I don't mean to say the word petty like in a negative connotation because it pays dividends in the long run because people will know, well, Masai Ujiri, under any circumstances, he's willing to back out of a deal if I don't come with what he wants he'll back the hell up out. So, you know, you stood 10 toes, and I got to give you credit for that. But is it a little petty? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> why, why do teams always want – I'm not going to say doubles, obviously. They, they, like they a, didn't uh, do that, though, Julio. An exaggeration. But why do they always want more from the, the but Lakers, But they didn't bro? want more from the Lakers. That Julio. shit's annoying. It's mad annoying, THT bro. is too much, man. That's a future all-star. <laughs> THT plus stroke, <laughs> bro. You, you, you are not me that's naming not too much, Reagan. Players. Well, the thing <laughs> is, I, I do, and that is, that that's taking our whole damn team because because that, the because depth. the rest of the our team outside of Bron and AD is not very good. Yo, hey, yo, I mean, okay, because it's not it's not, yeah, not good. But I do wrong. think it's important to note. It's important to note that Dennis Schroeder's value. If people understood exactly what was going on with that situation, which I've gotten a little bit more clarity now that the trade deadline has passed, him and the Lakers are still pretty far apart on their deal. So his value isn't exactly what it should be because he's another dude whose contract is about to be up and the Lakers could easily lose him for nothing. So like from a player for player standpoint, I agree with you, Julio. Yeah, they, they were asking for a lot more value than they would be getting in return when you talk about uh, Schroeder and THT and KCP, but Schroeder's value alone wasn't as high as maybe we feel because as good of a player as he is, he's also potentially a rental and a guy that's it's it's up in the air whether or not he resigns with the Lakers. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this as simple as possible. Kyle Lowry has been out for twenty. No, ah, oh, I forgot the number. Essentially, I, I, the Raptors are eighteen and three, I, th- I believe, or eighteen and two when he's not when he's not playing. <laughs> you don't believe that they're a better team without him, though. I'm not saying he's a they're a better team without him, but is he life changing? 
Hell no. Like, like obviously, when you pin him against Dennis Schroeder, who, who's a better player? Kyle Lowry. But, he, like, like, you're not trading one for the other. You're trading a whole bunch of these guys who we're going to need as depth dude. Like I said in the group chat, I could give a I, I don't I don't like half those dudes that were in the in the in the in the trade package for us but we need them for for our depth especially when our two best players are hurt and I will continue to say this over and over and over the guy I want so badly is, is even more than Bradley Beal maybe is Zach Levine why and, no no and you can shake your head that's not gonna happen fine. I'm, that's not my point. My point is why he's a young up and coming star that what he matches in age with AD. You have to you have to try your best as a Lakers organization to yes, not only win now, but also be forward thinking. So so your you know, your team is not in the tank after LeBron ret- retires. And by doing that, you need to go younger. You need to get younger. Getting a 35-year-old point guard and sacrificing your whole bench, your whole depth, and the dude you just traded for who's 20, uh, 26, 27 years old, that's just not smart. That's not smart at all. That's not smart. Kyle Lowry's not changing, you know, the, the prospects that, you know, oh, all of a sudden the Lakers are now better than the Nets. No, the Lakers are still, as presently constituted, are the best team in the West. And I believe, you know, from a talent perspective, are the second best team in the NBA. I think, I think this is just a case of you not understanding how good Kyle Lowry is. Because, I don't know, you, you bring up... The- bro, you have not... But, but you haven't watched Dennis Schroeder all year long. <laughs> like, bro's really, really impressed I promise me. you, the way he Kyle atta- Lowry is, like... Five times better and more important and more impactful. Right, than then shooters. why? Then, then why? Then why? Why are they like one and nine in their last ten? The Raptors? Because because they're just like totally dysfunctional yeah. right now. Like I don't know. I've never seen a Raptors team this bad. Should Kyle Lowry not have something to say about that? I mean, he's just enjoying his last ride, you know. But it's like, let, let's not pretend like Kyle Lowry is anything less than so a game changing. Swing piece for whatever team that could have got him. If it was the Lakers, is is Masai, so Lakers. If it was Philly, is, been is, Philly. is Masai Ujiri uh, dumb for this move? It's then? not because again, I, if they don't I resign this, him, like I forget when, how long ago, but keeping Kyle Lowry and letting him leave on his own terms will always give the organization a good look, especially when a player like Kyle Lowry is not only so loved by the organization, but people around the league, whether it's executives or players and up and comers. You know, like I, I talk about the greatest Raptor of all time. He clearly has a stronger relationship to his team than anyone outside of, I'd say, Steph Curry to the Warriors. That That's how strong the Lowry to the Raptors relationship is. And that's why, like, there's inherent value to letting him leave on his own terms. <laughs> it, you, it's that, too late for that, though. It's too because the, the block's too hot. Like, you, you your spot's been and the thing, blown. It's not that. that. Like, I think you have to understand yeah. that I'm sure because Masai's a great He's not even a GM. He's like the president, right? I'm sure he's communicated this to Lowry that it's a business thing. That if there are opportunities where we can send Lowry out to a team that can win a chip, we're going to try to let him, you know, give him a chance to win the chip and maybe collect some assets in return. You know, but if if it's not like that, then Kyle Lowry can, you know, 
basically live out this part of his career, the, the biggest part of his career with Toronto, leave on his own terms, maybe make one final playoff push. There's no harm, no foul in, in any of that. And the thing is, the Lakers bro. throwing them, not even THT, because reportedly they don't want to give up THT, throwing them Kuzma and KCP is not is not... Or, or Schroeder is not, you know, moving the needle. And Miami not wanting to give up Tyler Hero is also being stingy as hell. You know, that's not moving the needle. I mean, we, we can address it. I mean, Philly should have went all in, really. Like, that, they needed him bad. That's not... I don't know. That, that That's all different. That's not being stingy. That's not being stingy, bro. B- because you do that, you give up the farm if it guarantees you a chip. Who's better, the Lakers with Kyle Lowry or the Nets right now? Who are you banking your life with on? Kyle Lowry. Okay then, okay then. The, the no. Lakers with Kyle Lowry. No, because you, you, bro, you already believe. You said at the beginning of the season, you already believe that the Los Angeles Lakers are head and, head and shoulders above every single team in the league. So, I mean, what's it going to change for you? <laughs> I mean, you already it gives the best them more added the security. I think as long as Bron and AD look healthy come playoff time. It gives them more. I mean, plus it gives them that ball handler that, I mean, you think Dennis Schroeder might be that guy. I don't think he's that guy in the playoffs. Kyle Lowry has proven to be that guy at this point. No, no, he's sometimes he's proven. He's to be proven that guy. it the last two and years. A great grand, ma- okay, but even before that, a grand majority of that time, he's shown to be not that guy. He's had so many damn games with. Under ten points, under twelve points, and where he shoots like zero percent. He's had, he's had donuts. He's had donuts. I think you just don't like Kyle That's Lowry. That's horrible. Then be glad that the Lakers didn't give up. You know the great Dennis Schroeder for him. Hell yeah, I'm glad. Hell but yeah, I'm just I'm saying. Glad. Hell yeah. If I think Kyle Lowry on whatever team he ended up on, maybe not Miami, but if he ended up on Philly, I don't know. Like they might be. Toe to toe with Brooklyn. If he ended up with the Lakers, that just gives him even more insurance. Kyle Lowry. I feel like you don't have a good gauge on like how fucking crazy Brooklyn's about to be. Bro. I mean, if you put like, there's, Lowry, there's, there's, Simmons, there's no... and Embiid together, I'm sorry, that's a great team. Like, like that, like that's an amazing. Lowry, team. Simmons, and Embiid are a great team. They can't hold a candle to Durant, Ky- Kyrie, is Kyrie, giving... and Harden. Kyle I think I think works, they could. Bro. I think they could. Durant. I mean, I know things don't operate in a vacuum. Like, of course. Like, like, all the, all the, the Brooklyn, Durant's Brooklyn has the better one-on-one Kyrie, players. Like, Durant this and Simmons, that. Of course. Maybe a watch. Like, Brooklyn has the better one-on-one players. They have the better one-on-one talents. They have the better offensive talents. All Like, you know, all that. But I'm saying Philly as constructed, if they finally get that ball, that primary ball handler piece on their team that they don't have, so they don't have to let Ben Simmons bring the ball up the court, now you can put Ben Simmons in his role, Embiid, I mean, Embiid can still play like the MVP that he was, Kyle Lowry in there, I mean, and then you still have Steph Curry in those pieces, like, I mean, plus, given their defense, like, again, that's, that's a really good team, but I'm... So what the hell is Philly giving up that's way better than the Lakers? You you was you were saying that the Lakers package was garbage in comparison to the two well, other. If teams. they were willing to part, you tell with, you you if, were you were saying that Maxi is better than Schroeder and THT. That's just if blasphemous. I'm a team, I would rather have Maxi than Schroeder and THT because I don't want to pay Schroeder a hundred million dollars and THT. Like I think I, even I think, so, he's an asset. He's an, asset. He's an asset that's going to expire at the end of the year, and you're either going to dole out 
and you can use in a sign and trade. Listen, I mean, Maxi is clearly the better prospect, and just adding a bunch of players together, as Houston showed us, doesn't always equal, you know, like one player sometimes. Also, also, I want to, I want to. Sorry, I'm, I'm coming for your head today, Eddie. So, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bring. Some, I love bringing old stuff back. So, um, remember what, when we were having this discussion about James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets potentially, and Reagan was like, "You got to do it, man. You, you got to figure it out. You got to just whatever. Talent ultimately wins, whatever, right? And that's just overwhelming talent. On the other hand, we had Mr. Eddie's son." Who was like, nah, you shouldn't do it. Stick with Dinwiddie, Lavert, whatever it would take to get hard, and you got to stick to your guns, right? And obviously, it, it, it's worked um, for the Brooklyn Nets. Good for them, you know. Having James Harden, he's been their best player. He's probably front runner for MVP now. Uh, you know, I'm happy for him. But you were so against that. But right now, you just said if you if the Lakers added Lowry, that'd give them added security. One of my arguments for the Brooklyn Nets was that even right now, when Kyrie is gone to who knows where, and I love Kyrie, but he's gone right now on a family trip, and KD's hurt, one of that added security that I mentioned was having a third star. Because these dudes are volatile, whether they're out for family reunions or whether they're out for injuries, having a third star like Bradley Beal that came up earlier in the summer or a guy like James Harden, that's added security. And those three are better than a Kyle Lowry, AD, and Braun. But now you're saying that you prefer the added security over depth? You're talking about what, the Lakers added security or the, or the Brooklyn added security? Because with the Brooklyn, you said you wouldn't prefer that added security of a third well, star. I mean, again, we have to talk about what Brooklyn had. They had Jarrett Allen. They had, you know, hope like what was a healthy Dinwiddie. They had, I mean, they still have Joe Harris. They had Karis LeVert. I'm just saying the Lakers, if we're talking about the Lakers here, I don't trust anyone outside of LeBron and AD in the playoffs. And I don't know why anyone else would either. I don't know why you would either. Kyle Lowry, like I know you think from 2016 that, you know, he threw up duds, but he has been you know, carrying Toronto's world on his back, basically, you know, during those playoff runs. I'm just like that. Like, that's how good he's been. Maybe not the Kawhi year, obviously. I know you hate when I bring that up. But I mean, last year, last year, he showed a lot. Eddie, who did you trust on the Lakers outside of LeBron and AD last year? I mean, I guess Rondo was trustworthy. Like... I mean, hold up, hold nah, up, hold up, hold stop. Because now flip. you're going back Don't to stuff flip. that you would have disagreed with because of this Don't episode. Flip. The truth is, I didn't. Because you, I you didn't. okay? Because I, I did. I, I was basically trying to fill out your argument, but now I got to draw the line because you literally said this episode that Rondo basically I mean, ain't no. I, I, I did not trust anyone outside of LeBron and AD last year, but so like, what's the is difference? that LeBron and AD are insanely great players, and that you add Kyle Lowry to that mix? I'm sorry, like that. That, that's an amazing trio. And it's not just that they're great talents, but they can work together amazingly. I'm not, again, like, I don't want to go up this whole hypothetical route, like, oh, what if a team got Lowry this or that? I'm just saying there's no reason why teams did not go harder after Kyle Lowry. Because if we're just talking about this season and how it could have, you know, changed the championship odds and changed, you know, like what, what the matchups might be. We're talking about, uh, I mean, and I know you hate that I'll say this, Willie. We're talking about a, a Bradley Beal type impact just on the rest of this year, whichever team picked up Kyle Lowry and, you know, like how, how the playoffs would have shook out. Mm. Agree to disagree. <laughs> 
agree I'll, to disagree. I'll keep duking it out. This is fun for me. I, I ain't given a three-year constra- contract extension to a 35-year-old dude. That was another contingency too. I forgot to bring that up. Is like yeah. That, that, I mean, that's why I mentioned like, bro, we have to. As much as I, I'm that dude who says I'm willing to win a championship and then be garbage for the next ten years, rather than make the playoffs every year and, and you know never win a championship. Yes, but that mortgaging your whole team for Kyle Lowry doesn't guarantee you the championship. So and yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I'm even not saying the Lakers should have went ham for him. They. Kyle Lowry would have been such a luxury for the team as long as they believe that AD and Braun would be healthy by the time the playoffs come. I'm, I mean, the Lakers were not the team that needed to get Lowry. It was really Philly for me. I mean, Philly now, like, they might be the third best team in the East. If they got, again, like I said, if they got Lowry, they might have been, you know, 1A, 1B. So, again, I don't know. But I guess Toronto can try to aim for that 10 seed and, and you know, try to aim for that last playoff run before they start rebuilding, I guess. I, I did want to ask, did it surprise y'all since we're talking about the Nets that they didn't move Dinwiddie? Because there wasn't even, like, buzz around it today. It wasn't yeah. even an option. Well, it, it it really did surprise guess, me. Yeah, because I, I think if you could have flipped something for uh, – and I, now that I think about it, Portland's package was better. But if you could have flipped something for a Norman Powell, as much as I love Dinwiddie, and I think that, that fit is still there going forward in the future possibly – um, but I, I just don't think he's going to be a Brooklyn Net. So I think if they could have got their hands on Norman Powell, I think that fit would have been, I mean, extraordinary. So I, I am kind of like, well, I, surprised that they didn't go after that harder. Um, but I, I guess we'll just have I think to see. Dinwiddie has a player option after this year. So a team that gets him, like, what are you doing, right? Like, you might just be getting a player who um, you hope to re-sign after this year. Um, and it's like, how, how many assets are, you know, what are you willing to give up for a player like that? So I don't know whether the market developed for Dinwiddie like that. Yeah. I almost wonder if like a um, a J.J. Redick might have been in the realm of possibility. That was my biggest fear. I, I If they would have got J.J. Redick, I might have actually pissed myself. Because like, <laughs> there's, there's like, what, what could you like, I look at this team now and I ask like, what can you do? If they would have got J.J. Redick and been rolling out, and I know we don't want to get into hypotheticals too much, but just humor me. Joe Harris, J.J. Redick, Kyrie, K.D. Harden. Oh my God. Like, I feel like, up 150. I feel like Norman Powell is, I feel like Norman Powell is not a bigger name than J.J. Redick, but I feel like that would have been a better fit and just would have made your team better. I'm not inclined to agree to that. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we don't have to worry about that. As a Lakers fan, I'm glad they didn't make any moves because they were already looking too much to handle right now. And, like, if they traded a guy that they can't even play for more people, like uh, Mo Harkless had been thrown on the table as an option. Um, there was somebody else, too, that it was, could have been. It, the, the Miami, I think Miami offered Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley, and like a future second for Dylan. Yeah, all, all of that would have been like we that's that's too much dog that's that's just too much but man yeah that, that was just interesting to me that Dimwitty didn't you know there wasn't even a buzz around mm-hmm. his name before we before we head out i do want to say that uh OKC having like 34 damn picks over the next 7 years that's actually like that boggles my mind and although i'm not a guy who you know is in love with like college players and you know picks and all that um, I will say that at least Sam Presti 
in my view at least, I feel like he has a direction for the franchise and what he wants to do with those picks. Obviously, use some of those picks, but most of them, and I think you have to trade them. You cannot be like uh, uh, Mr. Danny Ainge over here and just be overly frugal with you know, these picks and not trade for a guy like Paul George or AD. Um, there's going to be a time where OKC can just throw an overwhelming amount of you know, assets to another team for a star to pair with uh, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA. Um, and when that time comes, I feel like they're going to be prepared. So kudos to them uh, and no kudos to the Rockets for getting nothing from James Harden. I mean, the Rockets, you mean pair them with Luke. Oh, my God. I would. I would. I might. I won't say I would. I might put money that none of those picks end up being as good as Shea, which is just how draft picks work sometimes. But anyways, I don't know. That That's a different topic. That's why you got to trade them. That's why you got to trade them. I mean, shoot, if they, if they can get a top three pick with their pick this year, they'll already but be as good they as have, They have the worst roster I've ever game. seen, and they keep on winning games somehow. And now they faked an injury for Shea because he's going to miss the rest of the year or something like that. And they might still be winning games. So <laughs> sometimes the organization's too good for their the own good. Effect. That's the door effect. But you, we, you know, like I know, like winning games at this point because of the way they do the lottery, that That's doesn't true. matter. Like you can be like the sixth best team and end up in the top three. So it, it'll all have to depend on how this the rest of the season shakes out. But like, yeah, I agree with you, Julio. That the the Thunder they have the opportunity. They have to execute now, but they have the opportunity to do some real damage and right like we all kind of looked at them as as this team that was almost like slowly just getting worse and worse you had this peak of russell westbrook and kd and harden and then you threw harden away for freaking kevin martin right and then kd leaves and then russell westbrook's out of there and it's like yo y'all really not working with nothing but they have an opportunity to rebuild and do it organically We'll yeah, we should mention that Philly did acquire and not acquiring Kyle Lowry. They did acquire uh, George Hill, um, who I think helps stable. You don't think he helps stabilize the point guard position a little bit? Not not like maybe like as like a, um, a non Ben Simmons point guard. But that move doesn't shift a whole lot for me in terms of their. I mean, it doesn't shift, but it doesn't. I mean, it, gives, it gives him another Danny Green prototype, you know. Like the the Danny Green archetype of player, I think he's he's just a couple inches shorter than Danny Green, I think. But three and three and D and guard, freaking freak, is pretty good. Freaking Danny Green, bro. Of course he goes off tonight against the Lakers. That's so annoying. That's so annoying, bro. Why why are you trash when you go? Never mind, bro. I mean, he won y'all a ring, didn't he? <laughs> he ain't won us nothing. He won a ring with us. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. He won a ring with us, but yeah, I mean, hey, kudos to Danny Green because he was his name was in trade rumors too, um, for a little bit. So maybe he he almost went to your damn back. team, dog. I mean, pe- people joke that they would have, <laughs> bro. The Splash pe- Brothers memes would have been hilarious. Nah, pe- people joke that like- once Chase Center opened, people would have started storming the arena in you know in Viking suits or whatever for what he did to Clay, but. You know, I mean, mm. I mean, he basically made Clay miss two years, but I mean, that's just people need to be storming in there, coming for Tyrese head after what he did to Damian Lee tonight. Shoot, and and I mean, and, and for, his, he's a and for Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, but but that's a whole different story. Um, that'll do for this trade deadline episode. Hopefully, we wrapped up what was a pretty eventful trade deadline week and day, but I'm, I'm sure we missed a couple things. 
PJ. Should we talk about PJ? That's to me, I think P- I think this is the most impactful move of the deadline. We gotta talk about PJ then. If you think it's the most impactful move, we gotta talk about it. Cut the cut the outro. Cut All the right. outro, bro. PJ Tucker. Let's talk about PJ real quick. Uh, I mean, he I mean he improves their team, um, and he just gives them another kind of option on the offensive end. Obviously, he's not taking dudes off the dribble, but he is a threat on the you know shooting that corner three, uh, and he brings an element of toughness that not to say that Giannis isn't tough or anything um because that is a gritty team i just i just feel like he adds more to that uh so i mean he he moves the he improves their team but he doesn't i mean yeah like pj tucker is never gonna be a player that like moves the needle or anything but it just tells me that milwaukee is going all in on like you said julio making sure that they have plan C's and D's, you know, when plan A and B doesn't go quite right, you know, and that they can throw Tucker out there at the five, I guess, instead of Brooke Lopez, if they want to switch everything. Um, And, and, you know, if Tucker can find that corner three point stroke again, you have a legit, you know, basically four out one in lineup, if you want to call it with Giannis as that kind of space eater in the middle. And then on defense, um, you know, outside of the switch everything stuff, like, Again, you get a guy who who um, really will go to battle with a lot of players. Like you can see, you can probably just foresee PJ Tucker going to battle with KD like he did all those years on the Rockets. You know, like you can see PJ Tucker really playing tough against a, um, I don't know, maybe like a Joel Embiid, even though he's giving up like nearly a foot. He's gonna get like under his skin. Height to Joel Embiid, but point being, you know, it's good that Milwaukee is investing in stuff that's not just. Um, adapting to their scheme, you know, to like their drop coverage and and to, you know, more three-point shooting, that they actually pay a little bit more attention to these sort of intangibles. And I know I'm like the numbers guy or whatever, but the truth is this can be a difference maker in the playoffs where every single matchup can matter. And P.J. Tucker just is another weapon in um, the Milwaukee Bucks war chest when maybe Brooke Lopez is too slow-footed and he starts getting run off the floor. Well, P.J. Tucker can... You know, you, you can put P.J. Tucker in the game and, and he brings a totally different element. That's where I kind of not disagree because I agree with everything you, you said in terms of like how much value he brings. But to me, it's like the way I almost view this move is like you just got small ball Brooke Lopez because really all the way they use Brooke Lopez is to, you know, kind of be the front attack for the rim protection. And obviously, they use Giannis like a, as, a, as a help defender. Um, but offensively, all Brooke Lopez tends to amount to is, is a shooter. And, you know, come playoff time, that tends to take a dip. He makes a lot of really silly decisions. The other day I saw a video of him passing up a wide-open corner three, taking a dribble in, and then doing a one-step fadeaway. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but that might have been the catalyst of this decision to say, you know what, go pull the trigger on the P.J. trade. Because what's going to happen is, like, when, when Brooke Lopez does start, you know, like you mentioned, getting played off the floor come playoff time, you have a dude who does a lot of the same things on both ends of the floor, but you know he's a lot more reliable. And I think that's the important thing to note here because time and again, we've seen Brooke Lopez not come up when he needed to for that uh, for that um, Milwaukee team. This is the contingency plan or hell, maybe it's even plan A at a certain point to say, you know what, PJ's are good. <laughs> the thing is, I know that I know that PJ can just guard. Call, you know, I don't know whether Brooke can guard players sometimes. Like he can swat shots and be a rim protector, but PJ Tucker will guard everybody that's in front of him. I know he's like 36 years old now, but I'm still going to believe that PJ Tucker will – 
maybe not lock up, but he will, you know, he, he'll put a, he'll put forth a pretty dangerous effort for, you know, opposing. He, he ain't going. That's for sure. He's, he's not going. Man, man. Well, I, I hope they don't have to rely on PJ Tucker contingency plan too hard because I don't know if that dude's saving you in the playoffs. That's almost he's not as saving bla- you, but he's not like because to me, Brook Lopez was consistently like bleeding them. You know what I mean? It was it was tangible. You could watch the game, and be like, "Yo, Brook Lopez really, is the issue right yeah. now." And, and really, that was like their only center that was like sometimes playable. Now, now you you get PJ Tucker. It's a it's a big um, addition. I think it, yeah. it felt it fell under the radar a little bit, especially because it happened earlier in the deadline. But I mean, props to Milwaukee. You know, like Giannis said. I'm signing it. I'm signing the supermax. He better double down on on winning. And I think I think they're doing a pretty good job, you know. So again, the top of the East. I know you guys think Brooklyn is is heads and shoulders above, but it's I don't like again. I don't know, man. I don't know. Hey, yeah, I, I look at um a potential like closing lineup of Drew, Chris, Giannis, Bobby Portis, and That's PJ. Not, like they're not going. I don't know about Bobby Portis. Did you say Bobby Portis. <laughs> Bobby Portis? That's almost as blasphemous as as, as Draymond saying Wait, that did he's I the miss greatest. Somebody? Dante? <laughs> that, that, Dante? That's almost as that's. Uh, yo, well, I think yo. it all depends on your matchup. Honestly, Bobby, I like Bobby Portis's game a lot. Anytime I watch Milwaukee <laughs> oh play, no, bro. Okay, don't don't, don't grease me out. Anytime I this watch Milwaukee dude. play and Bobby Portis is getting bench minutes, that dude is hustles. It, is it, he rebounds and he can shoot it, the hell out the ball. Is it? Be, I like Bobby it, Portis's game. Is a lot. It be, You're facing is a it, team like the Philadelphia 76ers who has a lot of length. Stop laughing at me, Julio. I'm so serious. <laughs> if you're facing a team like the 76ers, who's going to kill you with their length, or you're facing a team like perhaps the Nets, who have a lot of length as well, right? Maybe you do use a guy like Bobby Portis instead of Dante DiVincenzo. Like Bobby Portis can don't don't grease Bobby Portis, man. You, you he can know, play. You know what? <laughs> he can play. Is this? Is, are are you saying this because you think your game is modeled after Bobby <laughs> I was, Portis? No, I was stop, literally stop. thinking, bro. First bro, of all, first bro. of all. First Throwing? of all, wait, wait, wait. I do play a lot like Bobby Portis. Like if I have like <laughs> if, if if we're playing like with some real hoopers, I will start to play like Bobby Portis, which is hustle, rebound, shoot my open shots and hope I make them. But like, and you know, I like to wear headbands too. But like, no, Bobby Portis can play. Yo, Bobby Portis yo, can play. Th- th- throwing if if Budin Budenholzer throwing Bobby Portis in the in the finishing five of the Milwaukee Bucks is almost as blasphemous as Draymond saying that he's the greatest defender ever. But that's a topic for another day. Bro, so. Bobby Portis is shooting forty eight percent from three right now. Do right. not grease Listen, every the man. time. See, see every, how that works. No, see how that works. Every in time the I watch Milwaukee see play, I see Bobby Portis step on the floor and take up. He, he has that Reggie Jackson effect where he can be playing with four Hall of Famers and he has like an eighty percent usage rate for whatever reason. And the thing is, no, he's getting buckets, bro. so I can't even hate on him for it. But listen, like Bobby Portis, I don't know, but he, he he needs to roll. His, he needs to know his role sometimes. Man, y'all y'all tripping on that. I did like if if we're already over our hour, we could also talk about Fournier before we get up out of here. But I don't know. Oh yeah, we're strong we're at one twenty five, bro. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think Fournier does anything. So that that's all I have. Sorry, Celtics fans. Everyone, one sentence take. I mean, Eddie thinks they a year do ago, a year I ago, I said Boston needs to win two and seven, two championships in seven years to do something. Now they might need to rebuild. So who knows? So. Mm, clock is ticking on them. Uh, if you ask me, Evan Fournier. 
like you you did nothing. I don't think you got any better. You just like got maybe some potentially cool, good looking buckets at times. He, he's a he's a he's a fine What's player. What's your Fournier though? take? At Julio? He's an underrated player. Uh, I, can he handle the ball? You, I wouldn't ask him to. He can, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't rely on. He's him. basically Gordon Hayward. I was gonna say like, gives you a little. I was gonna say might give you a little bit. Yeah, he does play like at that slow kind of pace. I was gonna say if he can handle the ball a little bit, it gives you that kind of backup security that you may need if, when Kem- if and when Kemba gets hurt again. Because uh, obviously I missed totally on that Jeff Teague thing at the beginning of the season. Uh, so yeah, um, if not that, then it's kind of pointless in my eyes. Hey, credit to you, Julio. At least you call out your misses too, because you damn sure. Hell yeah, mine and Eddie's. <laughs> I I remember everything, dog. I come for y'all head. Got to man. Got to keep the receipts. Julio Martinez, the 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 receipt brain. That, that sounds like an insult, but anyways, I guess that'll end the the hour and thirty minute long trade deadline episode of this hoop and holler podcast be sure to check us out check out our previous episodes on our streaming platforms i feel like i haven't said that in a while and to check out our um, social media channels at hoop holler pod on twitter and instagram i feel like i've been slacking on the twitter but that's probably just because of schoolwork and all that um nba obviously has been as uh, as as busy and dramatic as ever um again thanks for tuning into the episode and we'll catch you next time This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.